sitting at the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the Savior, saw the gospel says. Folks came from all around, from near and from far, just to sit here at the house of mercy, waiting for the waters to stir. Just to sit here at the house of mercy, waiting for the waters to stir. Today, the enemy is not called empire or capital, it's called democracy. It is the democratic illusion, the acceptance of democratic procedures as the sole framework for any possible change that blocks any radical transformation of capitalist relations. I know, you'd have to, you'd have to read it to really have it make sense. <laughs> no, yeah. I was tracking it. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you are with us today. Uh, we have a very special guest. Sam uh, is our guest artist. Yeah. And he was, I remember him when he was Just really this big. I remember when he was this big. He was, yeah, yeah he was such, such a cute kid. Yeah. yeah, and he still is very handsome. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So he's, yeah, he's bringing the guest artist spot. We love it, we love it. That's great. Yeah. Yo, and speaking of loving it, let's all say hello to the hardest working band in the church band business, the grand old Rebus Angel Band. Oh, we are singing for the saved and we are dancing for the damned. We are the grand old Grievous Angel Band. Don't you love them, folks? Don't you love them? You know that. Oh, you know what else? Um, I'd like to welcome just individually and ask you to join me. Uh, this is uh, Professor Mark Stenberg, legendary. Thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you. It was his idea, the whole House of Mercy. Yeah. We were sitting uh, in Seattle in the early 90s. We were both Baptist <laughs> minister sort of in Little Dying Church, and he said, you know, we should start a church together, so when there's nobody there, at least we're walking in with a buddy. <laughs> That's right. At least we have each other. At least we have each other. Yeah. So I got babe, and baby, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> Hit it, band. Yeah. So uh, Mark is going to be with us, uh, Debbie, to help this transition time after Debbie's retirement. Yes, it's great to be back and uh, really always loved this community so much and uh, great to be back and um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What else should I say? I've, I've been ordained a long time, um, worked for a couple really sad little Baptist churches in mm -hmm. Seattle yeah. um, and then uh, went off and got my PhD in Chicago. Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern University and um, came back up here. We started this thing. Yeah. Um, 
in the meantime, I've had some gigs teaching at Luther Seminary, teaching seminary students and preaching classes and a doctor of ministry program. Uh, planted a church in Northeast Minneapolis called Mercy Seat. Some of you dropped by. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, just well, great to be back here. He was um, first runner up in the second season of Naked and Afraid. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, right. first runner-up. That's that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you weren't quite afraid enough. Plenty naked. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, that's good. Oh, well, uh, and, yeah. oh, oh before oh, yeah. I forget, too, um, there are some outlandishly pink uh, sign-up sheets in every sort of third pew, and um, a part of my task here is to um, to get more people signed up for the newsletter because we're just you know we want to spread the word, spread the mercy, have better communication. So uh, I, uh, my quota is five today. If I get five, I make the next level, which yep. is um, platinum, m- platinum level of mercy, yeah. uh, Russell says. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I don't know what that means monetarily, but, but please sign up if you're not getting it already. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Hey, you know, we have uh, coming up here at the beginning of December, the uh, anti-capitalist Christian Bazaar. It's a sale. It's a little bizarre, um, but... It's going to be, uh, we're going to kick it off the first week. It's going to be in the back. And we are selling any kind of upcycled, recycled, DIY, handmade items, stuff that you just don't go out and buy from, you know, that'll end up adding to the landfill. This is keeping stuff from the landfill. And, yeah, what else is the point? Well, the point is this, like, uh, a really radical thing you could do is instead of buying new things from the corporate conglomerates, uh, you can give the money to House of Mercy, a crazy community that is uh, gathered around the story of the Jesus the Redeemer, right? Reconciler. Absolutely. I think I'm going yeah. off the wall. Every time I, every time I mention Jesus in this church, I get nervous. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, uh, it's, it's going to help sustain this, this community that is doing all these amazing things. And I mean, I'm no you know, anti-capitalist. I'll tell you what, Target, sometimes when I'm in a foreign city, I just go to Target because it makes me feel comfortable. You know, so I'm not. You know, I have that in me. But we're going to try this, uh, this year to... Uh, yeah, and if you have a boatload of stuff in your closet or your garage that's going to go to Salvation Army or Goodwill, um, bring it to us and we'll put a big markup on it. And you'll feel good. Yeah, we're going to yeah. curate a little vintage clothing mm-hmm. section. Will mm-hmm. be um, One thing I'm making, I'm repurposing uh, Christmas greeting cards. I went down to the St. Vincent de Paul and got all the ones with the, the puppies on them and, you know, all the cardinals with the glitter and everything like that. And <laughs> those I, are my favorite. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah. Um, and so you those will be available. Those. Well, you know, it was a different time. Okay. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, good stuff. What are you, what are you doing? Are you doing? Tattooing, is that it? Yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I have a bunch of vintage clothes that I don't wear anymore. So. Yeah, excellent. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that, uh, one last thing, Tuesday is elections, please go out and vote. Also, we're looking for a couple election site hosts, this is an election site, and during the day we're just looking for people to do two hours to stay here and welcome people in and, yeah. Uh, what's the pay? The pay, depends on how many people you can get to vote <laughs> uh, <laughs> for our team. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. Uh, we can mention what team it is. Okay. Okay. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it.
join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, your love and grace finds us exactly where we are. You are constantly revealing to us mysteries, wonders, and your radical love in the small and ordinary, as well as the vast and cosmic. Calm our minds and slow our breath so we may recognize your presence. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Share the sign of peace. So, as you heard in the announcements, our guest artist today is no stranger to the House of Mercy, although I'm guessing when he was a regular, it was in a different building. But regardless, this is not the first time that they've saying in this community, as I would guess, there was 
sounds of an infant crying out in spontaneous joy for the Lord. And uh, I think uh, uh, Sam is going to sing something with words today. But if, if, if they sing the same thing as they did when they were a baby, that's fine with us, right? All right, well, please give a warm house of mercy welcome back to Sam. I appreciated the preface. I do plan on just sort of screaming. (laughs) Um, It is fantastic to see you all here today. I'm happy to be back. And um, the first song I have to play is by uh, an artist who played through House of Mercy. Uh, Her name is Michelle Schacht. And uh, one of my favorite songs by her is called Anchorage. And uh, my mom has some some stories about that particular song. But uh, I will get into it. I took time out to write to my old friend I walked across that burning bridge Mailed my letter off to Dallas But her reply came from Anchorage, Alaska She said, hey girl, it's about time you wrote me It's been over two years, you know my old friend, take me back to the days of the foreign telegrams and the all-night rock and rolling. Hey, Shell, we were wild then. Hey, Shell, you know it's kind of funny. Texas always seems so big, but you know you're in the largest state in the union when you're anchored down in Anchorage. Girl, I think the last time I saw you Was on me and Leroy's wedding day What was the name of that love song you played? I forgot how it goes I don't recall how it goes better job so we moved Kevin lost a tooth now he started school I got a brand new eight month old baby girl I sound like a housewife hey Shell I think I'm a housewife hey girl what's it like to be in New York New York City imagine that tell me What's it like to be a skateboarding punk rocker? Leela says, send a picture. Leela says, hello. Leela says, oh, 
keep on rocking, girl. Yeah, I keep on rocking. Hey, Shell, you know it's kind of funny. Texas always seems so big, but you know you're in the largest state in the union when you're anchored down in Anchorage. Anchorage, anchored down in Anchorage. <laughs> um, thank you, thank you. And uh, this next one is an original uh, that I have just chosen to call uh, Haven, and it is one of the songs that I. One of the first songs that I ever wrote for someone else uh, that really meant something to me, and it was for my sister Lila, who is right over there. Um, <laughs> and it was a, a lullaby because we, uh, us Osborne kids, tend to have a little bit of an overactive imagination. And I wanted to, ooh, hello. Strap fell off, that's fun. Um, and I wanted to make sure that uh, it was a little bit more of a, a friendly thing. So. Beyond the window and over the field Beyond the things that you know to be real Do the sea foam blue lights sway in the breeze And one can get lost if they wish to with ease Beyond the doorstep and into a dream Beyond the gray skies and places you've been Does the breeze hum softly to music unheard And the trees tell you stories without saying a word Beyond the rooftop and under the stars I'll take you with me, we needn't go far With the flowers in bloom and the glow bugs alight I promise you, dear, it'll all be alright And that's about it, thank you so much. <laughs> Please join me for the prayers of the community. I'll end each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and I invite you to respond, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for the travelers. Some of us travel with joy and expectation, and others of us travel with grief and soul ache. Some just wander. Others among us barely manage to get out of bed. We travel in all manners, but we never travel alone. Remind us of our never aloneness. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, thank you for strangers. Thank you for family, friends, and kindred spirits. Thank you for those whom we agree and for those whom we do not. We are held in a wild and beautiful web of relationships.
We pray those relationships make us more human and less cold, more compassionate and less rushed. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we confess that we often deny, betray, fall away, and ignore you. We seek power over vulnerability, and we choose comfort over connection. Forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, comfort those of us who are hurting. We ask for healing, whether it is physical, emotional, or mental dis-ease that we are experiencing. We pray for those of us lost in addiction, anxiety, depression, and grief. Hear us now in this moment of silence as we bring to you our prayers. In the midst of our darkness, you bring forth light. Without fail, you find us, open the door, and welcome, welcome us into your wildly transformative love. With gratitude, amen.
called PSA to start with. If you would like to be doing what I'm doing right now, you can talk to me after church and I will give you a week to do it. Okay. <clears throat> the gospel reading for this evening is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamp and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Before there was Tina Fey and Judd Apatow, there was John Hughes. And before John Hughes, there was, apparently, the author of the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> the parable of the wise and foolish bridemaids has the same predictable characters and casual disregard for coherent plot points as any Mean Girl movie. The difference is only Matthew's author puts the story in Jesus's mouth and starts it with, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. The premise of the story is that this group of bridesmaids are sent out to welcome the groom to the wedding banquet as he arrives by lighting his way with lamps. Bridesmaids could also be translated uh, virgins or young girls. So don't think Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. The girls predictably break into two groups, the clever, pretty children of privilege and the stupid, plain children of working class single parents. The bridegroom is delayed, and they all become drowsy and fall asleep. At midnight, there's a shout, look, here comes the bridegroom, come out and meet him. The shouter is not identified. He is the one who sent the girls out. Is he the same one who sent the girls out to meet the groom? I don't know. But the girls all jump up, and they straighten their dresses. As they do, the clever, pretty rich girls roll their eyes at the hand-me-down frocks the stupid plain girls' mothers had to take in or let out so they would fit. And if they weren't feeling enough shame already, the stupid plain girls realize their lamps are going out and they don't have enough extra oil. So screwing up all the courage they can muster, they ask the clever, pretty rich girls for just a little bit of oil, just a little so their lamps won't go out. No, we need all our oil, they reply. If we give you some, there might not be enough for us. 
you are just going to have to buy some for yourselves. It is always a fun part of the movie when the sympathetic loser characters are driven off by the mean cool kids and have to make their way scared and naive through the rough part of town late at night in a quest for something. But it's always kind of a little unrealistic, right? I mean, it doesn't make much sense, as in the case with this parable here. Like, how far away is the bridegroom? I mean, they see him coming. He must be in sight, so how much extra oil are they really going to need? And clearly the smart girls could have given them some oil. They're just being mean girls. And are we supposed to believe that there is like an all-night oil shop that they're going to somehow find? And even if there was an all-night oil shop, do you think these girls have cash on them? I mean, I don't think so. Pocket money for extra oil? Are you kidding? Their moms hold down two jobs, and they still can't make ends meet. And where are the adults here, okay? These are, these are little girls out late at night. I mean, maybe some adult could help them with their oil problem, help these poor girls out. And what about the man who's shouting for them to go meet the bridegroom? These are just kids. Come on. It seems like a lot of expectations, which very likely have not been completely explained to them. Uh, they've been placed, a lot of these things have been placed on these young girls, and they've not been properly prepared. You think they purposefully didn't bring extra oil? There's nothing malicious going on here. They don't have extra oil, all right? They don't have money for extra oil. These smart, pretty rich girls, they have all the oil they need. They don't even know what it's like to not have extra oil. Oil everywhere. Their parents, they even have designer oil. Any kind of scent you want, they got it. Fast burning, slow burning. Uh, their parents, they set up their lamps for them. These rich girls don't even know how to work the lamps. They made sure they had extra oil. They got them the new outfits for the occasion. And they showed them the proper way for a young lady to greet the bridegroom. So, of course, the bridegroom comes, and the smart, pretty, rich girls meet him and escort him to the banquet, and they all go in. It's quite lovely, and they shut the door. Finally, the stupid playing girls get back, hair in disarray, dirt smudging their faces from their misadventures all night seeking the oil. Who knows if they even got any oil? But this doesn't matter now. They're just relieved to have made it back to the wedding banquet. They knock on the door. Uh, Lord, Lord, uh, we're here, please open up. But the replies, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. And the narrator concludes, keep awake, therefore, you know neither the day or the hour. He's saying this to these little girls? Come on. Matthew's author intends this to be another parable about being prepared and attentive to the kingdom of heaven. But inadvertently, or not, it communicates the message that seems to be contrary to the heart of the Gospels. These poor and privileged girls, with no one giving them any help, they knock on the door, and the Lord tells them, truly, I do not know you. Ah, yes, you do. You know them. They are the rest of the girls you sent out to meet the bridegroom. You know, the ones, the missing little girls. Yeah, that's who they are, the ones who didn't show up when the bridegroom came out, who were out all night. 
And then after the author tells us that these girls were not let into the wedding banquet, he tells them to keep awake, therefore you know neither the day nor the hour. Um, We just read the story. They do know the day and the hour. That's why everybody's there. I mean, that's why the girls are there at the banquet, because it is the day and the hour of the wedding. Everybody knows the day. You told them. And you do know the hour. That's why you sent the girls out to meet the bridegroom, because it was time. It was the hour. Sure, the bridegroom was a little bit late, but to say you don't know the day and the hour, well, this makes no sense. This seems like uh, unfair. Finally, the implication that the stupid plain girls, disadvantaged girls, didn't get in the banquet because they did not stay awake? In the same way, we won't get into the kingdom of heaven if we are not prepared or attentive when the kingdom comes? If we don't stay awake? But all the girls fell asleep. The rich ones... The pretty ones, the smart ones, the children of privilege, they fell asleep as well. They just had all the advantages, the material and otherwise, to overcome this error of a little bit sleepiness. The other girls didn't have the resources and were judged and excluded. It didn't matter whether the children of privilege stayed awake or not, or if they took a nap, they're always getting in, no matter what happens, no matter what they do, they're getting in the wedding banquet. So, to get back to how Jesus starts this whole parable, the kingdom of heaven will be like what? The kingdom of heaven will be a place where the privileged can gain access because they can afford it, because they have the time. They're not going to work on the Sundays when the Lord returns. I mean, I assume the Lord's coming back on a Sunday. It would make sense. They're going to be all ready because they have nothing else that they need to be doing. Yeah, they're going to get in to that kingdom of heaven because they can buy whatever they need to appear prepared. They won't look like they just woke up. The Lord will be so happy to see them, he won't even miss the rest of the people stupid enough to not make enough money or get enough money from their parents to keep those oil lamps lit. The kingdom of heaven, then, will be a place where power and privilege where wealth is equated with virtue and righteousness. I do not like this version of the kingdom. We already have a place like that. We live in it, right? The kingdom of heaven, if it is like this, I don't want it. And I'm not going. I probably wouldn't even get in, you know? I'd probably be with them. I'm going to be standing outside the door with most of the rest of the world, knocking and knocking, hearing the Lord deny that he even knows me. You know, wait a minute. This isn't the first knocking thing we find from Matthew. This isn't how the knocking is supposed to go in Matthew. In the first part of the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells the crowd, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find it. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And if there is any among you, if your child asks for bread, 
will you give them a stone? No. If your child asks for a fish, will you give them a snake? No. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things for those who act? Like you ask and they give it to you? That seems like some socialism to me. The guy behind the door in this parable, that can't be Jesus. The man who sends the girls away, that can't be God. The whole, that whole world where power, privilege, and wealth pass as righteousness, that cannot be the kingdom of heaven. That world is a nightmare world. The kingdom of heaven cannot depend on anything we have or do. We are not gathered into full presence of God based on our own righteousness. We are gathered into God's presence through God's mercy, through the momentum of love from creation rippling out through history to the present, to this moment, into the infinite future. And the mercy and love of God, born by and through Jesus the Christ, can't be something that's held off. Can't be held off as a future promise. We should be able to have all that kingdom of heaven good stuff now. These girls, maybe all these girls, they're still asleep. They are. The kingdom of heaven is all around them. But they don't see it because they're all still asleep. Maybe this idea of this kingdom of heaven or this world we live in that favors those who've already been favored and punishes those who are already disadvantaged is a nightmare that we've all been having. We're asleep outside, waiting for the groom to come, all having the same dream. Wake up. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more in darkness, no more in night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light Just like a blind man, I wandered along Worries and fears I claimed for my own Then like the blind man, that God gave back his sight Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more in darkness, no more in light Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light I was a fool 
So happy, no sorrow inside 